Uh-huh. I know what you're thinking. Is this the booth drafting the circuits? Three-way theater or the Kevin Jackson show? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kinda lost track myself here on Hoobazoo.com. So, do you feel lucky, punk? Oscar Mike Radio. Come in. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. Oscar Mike Radio, do you copy? Oscar Mike Radio is in route. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. August 4th, 2016, broadcasting from the City of Champions, Brockton, Massachusetts, this is Oscar Mike Radio, on mission, on the move, always. So, 
we have a full fight card ahead of us, so we're going to get right into it. And we're going to talk about the question of the day. And the question of the day comes from Anthony J. from Shreveport, Louisiana. That's right. We have listeners all across the nation already. Thank you so much for your support and enthusiasm for the show. And his question is, why are your podcasts 30 minutes long? And quite simply, what I'm trying to do is, because I'm new at this, I, I've only done two of these, this is the third one, is I'm trying to put together a product that is entertaining, educational, and you know, inspiring. And you know, even though I don't know what I'm doing completely, I'm learning as I go along. And so I'd rather have 30 minutes of something that you want to really listen to and enjoy than drone on for an hour trying to talk to fill up space. And also, Anthony, the feedback I've gotten back from other listeners is, you know what, 30 minutes is enough time for me to listen to your podcast on the way to work, treat it like a radio show during lunch, or even take it on a jog. So for right now, we're sticking with 30 minutes. If that changes and we want to do something else, we'll certainly uh, consider doing that. And that is the question of the week. Keep them coming, and thanks for listening. Today's main topic is about the VA luxury art scandal that was broken by OpenTheBooks.com, an agency that's set up to look at government expenditures and crunch the data and try to find waste. I had the pleasure of speaking with Adam and Jeffski today about this. Uh, and the reason is, you know, I said to him, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to figure this out. You know, forget the Christmas tree thing. We'll get to that in a second. But it seems like, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And he's like, yes. You know, what you're seeing here in our report that's on OpenTheDoors.com I also have a link to it in the blog, OscarMikeSite.wordpress.com. Is he's like you're seeing a systemic mindset that says if we have money, we're going to spend it however, whenever, and wherever we want. And you know, hey, it's just too bad if you don't like it. And this really bothers me because you know I, I'm trying to find positive stories about the VA. They serve between seven and eight million veterans annually. Uh, that's a lot of people. I don't care, you know, what kind of corporation you are. Um, you know, to sit down with somebody and you know take care of, you know, that many people makes them the largest healthcare provider, single healthcare provider in the United States. Uh, their annual budget for fiscal year 2017, they requested 180 billion dollars. So, you know. To say that they are small is an understatement. They are they are a large entity of the government, and you know by nature of what they do, you know you want to hold them accountable, and you'd think that for as many people as they serve, there'd be some real heartwarming, warm stories of personal triumph, and, and you know I was hurt, I was injured, and I got taken care of, I got the help I needed, but so many times we hear that you know that veteran wasn't taken care of. They weren't helped. They, they couldn't be seen by a doctor. You know, there, there was no money. There was no staffing. There was no this. There was no that. And then the report drops, and 
I'm looking at it and I encourage you to go to opendoors.com and, and check out the, the report and the charts they put together they, they do some great work and you know the first thing that jumps out at me was the Christmas tree now I couldn't believe that any company would spend $21,000 and change on a fake Christmas tree that's right a fake Christmas tree in fact let's try a little experiment I want you to in a second to pause the SoundCloud app on your phone or on the computer and go tell your significant other that hey for Christmas I found this tree that cost $2,100 now we're gonna have to you know give Thanksgiving a little short shrift this year but Christmas is gonna be awesome this tree is you know the bomb as my kids would say and see you know how your spouse significant other boyfriend girlfriend husband reacts to that it'll probably be like how I reacted to it when I looked at the report with absolute disgust and incredulity I'm like you you this is this is nuts this is crazy and I got very very upset I mean you know there are people that need help from the VA who can't get it they absolutely cannot get the help they need and then you know after talking to you know the CEO Adam and Jeffsky I really got an appreciation for you know what's happening here before I did that I started to say to myself you know what you're an analyst let's take the emotion out of this let's look at some numbers let's let's see you know what I can find out from the data that's there and see if I can get any clarity about what's going on and here's the very sad reality I had to face when I started doing this you know, I've been on this earth for a little while and I really got a, a, a wake-up call that I really don't know a lot about how life works every time I think I do I run something like this and it demonstrates that I really don't know a lot about my you know larger world I just and for the sake of this podcast and the time length I have I won't go into all the you know what I did to get the information that I got but basically I took the report from opendoors.com started messing around with the numbers and what I wanted to see was just for you know my first dive into this is okay this is a 10-year period an average of two million a year how does that really stack up and the VA budget between 2004 and 2014 uh, I think 2004 was 138 billion dollars and by 2014 it was 153 158 so is an average of two million dollars a huge spend not really in, in, in total budget dollars it's not a huge spend it's not but then I'm like well you know let's let's pivot then on the vendors that were awarded these contracts from the government and let's see what we find and two vendors jumped out at me for two very different reasons I'll go with the first one there was a vendor that's called the federal prison system they also do business as Unicor and they were awarded uh, between I think 2005 and 2012 or 13 a total of hundred sixty two thousand dollars in work for artwork for the VA and, and my problem there is I'm like you know okay so we're giving prisoners jobs at a time when veterans are coming back from Afghanistan and trying to reintegrate into society and get work 
the prisoners are being allowed to create artwork at a very competitive price for the VA. But the VA is not pursuing any kind of a veteran artist. And there are hundreds of, of veteran artist organizations throughout this country that create art based on their military experience. And it looks like that very few or none of these companies were run or, you know, staffed by veterans. And so I'm like, it's, it's kind of upsetting that prisoners get to make art for the VA and were pursued, but veterans were not. So I, I really didn't like that. I really found that, you know, quite uh, disgusting when you think about, you know, who gets to do what for our soldiers and veterans. I, I didn't see where, you know, prisoners were a viable alternative when there's so many other guys out there and women too. The second one, and, and this really is fascinating when you start digging into this rabbit hole, there's a company on the report called Art MOXM. And between 2004 and 2014, Art Moxum, we'll just call him Moxum for you know sanity's sake, took in almost $3.7 million during that time frame. And I was, I was curious. I'm like, how does a company, one company, get that much work over that much time for another company? You know, they're, they're, they're started to, you know, in my mind, you know, I started to have all kinds of questions about this from an analytical standpoint. So I started digging, and some of these links are in the blog. You know, I started looking up what ARC MOXM is. And it is a company in California in the Palo Alto area. It's a one-person company run by a woman that supplies artwork. Now, not artwork in the strictest sense of the word. Uh, I'm finding out that artwork in the VA sense is a very fluid, subjective term. This company does things like furnishings, um, window treatments, floor treatments, things like this. And it's, it's literally a one-woman operation. So I'm like, okay, is, is she creating this stuff and selling it to the VA? How's this work? Obviously, she has some kind of sourcing place that makes this stuff for her, and she can turns sells it to the VA you know, based on their requirements and pockets of cash. And let's just say she is outsourcing it. What's her profit margin on this? And let's just say the average business takes in, you know, 60, 70 cents on the dollar. Let's just say for this this podcast right here, she, you know, her, her break-even point was half. So a minimum conservative estimate is she took in 1.5 million, point four million dollars over a ten you know year period in profit a one-person company and the thing is you know I'd like to say that I had to dig and, and like an archaeologist you know look through all the, the 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 ground and dig this stuff up and sift the dirt but I have to tell you honestly it wasn't like that with no more effort than I would spend looking at you know my fantasy football lineup I was able to find this information out a lot of it there is on government service websites that will tell you exactly, exactly, you know, who's doing what, what contracts they've got awarded, 
what GSA level is is you know categorized for their expenditure. And it did not take me long, and I just came into this thing like a week and a half ago to start looking at it. And I'm thinking to myself, if I can spend the time looking at you know fancy football or other things or you know a new part for my motorcycle, you know shouldn't I be able to focus the same kind of effort and understand how the money is being spent? Because here's the the brutal truth. And there's two brutal truths that I take away from this. Is if you, number one, if you are not an active duty service member or a veteran, but you're a straight civilian, never served in the military, not going to serve in the military, you are paying for this. Your tax money is being allocated by the federal government and approved by Congress in a budget. And they're using your money to pay for this stuff. If you are an active duty service member, you're paying for it. If you are a veteran and you got hurt in the line of duty or you qualified somehow for VA care, these people in this government entity work for you. It is not the other way around. You are coming into their establishment and they are supposed to take care of you. And when you follow the money like this, like open, OpenTheBooks.com has, and then you can see what is going on, you can only come to one conclusion. This is just smoke here. This story about $20 million and all the expenditures is just smoke. There is fire. There, there is fire. There, there is other parts of the VA where expenditures are not being properly, you know, categorized oversight, the whole nine yards. And it really raises other questions in terms of, wait a minute, if we have money to pay one vendor $3.7 million for furnishings and artwork, what was cut off the list to make that happen? What about you know drugs that uh, veterans needed? What about an MRI machine, doctors, call staff, support staff, other things that are necessary for uh, veterans to get the care that they need. So as much as I want to tell a good story about the VA and what they're doing and, and you know be able to really shine light on good things that they do, I keep coming back to this you know realization that one, hey, I really don't know what's going on. That's one of the reasons that I'm doing this show is to learn more about the world around me when it comes to military matters. If I hadn't been doing this show, I wouldn't have learned anything about this. I just kept going about my way. And two, I'm really going to encourage you to, you know, go to the site, check it out, and and decide for yourself. You know, look, you know, you're you're checking your stock price, you're checking your fancy football, you're checking your eBay account. You know, see if you can check out, you know, some VA work. See how your money's being spent. And remember, it's your money. It is your money. I hope to have the CEO, um, Adam Andrewski, on the show. Uh, we're talking about that, and hopefully he comes on. I would love to talk to him further about this. But um, that's what I want to leave you for the week is, you know, it's not just about, you know, $20 million over a 10-year period. It's about a wider issue of your money not being used to take care of veterans and the people that are spending the money 
want you to be dumb about what they're doing. And that is my main topic for the week. So we're going to move right into uh, the rant of the week. And the rant of the week is brought to you by the Pogue and Grunt Complaint Department. And they're not happy if they're not complaining. And their rant of the week is about Motrin. And for all of us active duty guys or veterans who've been in the military, I don't care what you have. Your pinky could be hurt. You could have blood pouring out of your leg from a you know wound, scratch, or whatever. You could be feeling blue from you know the night's festivities. It doesn't really matter what it is. You go to the doctor, the corpsman, the, the, the Navy medic, the nurse, the Air Force doctor, and the first thing they're gonna do is, is subscribe you, prescribe you, excuse me, 800 to 1,000 milligrams of Motrin, at least a quarter of water an hour, and go on your way. And I've often wondered, and, and, and you know, they brought it up, they're like, you know, why is that? And I looked around just trying to figure out, you know, what the reason is for this. Is it some kind of government contract kickback? I mean, I don't know. What makes Motrin better than Tylenol or Advil? I also don't know. But for some reason, and even when I was in, you know, many moons ago, the first line of defense for your pain and suffering wasn't actually a cure. It was Motrin. And, and the ironic thing is, and people will tell you, at least when I was in, you know, if you went down to the, the PX or the CVS, say if you were out in town, and bought Motrin and brought it back to your room and put it in your cabinet and your first sergeant or staff sergeant or, you know, gunnery sergeant, sergeant first class came in your room for inspection and they saw that bottle of Motrin there. I mean, you're trying to take care of yourself, right? Um, they would be like, wait a minute. Who authorized you to have this Motrin? And you'd say, well, I, was, I wasn't feeling well, Staff Sergeant. I needed this Motrin so I could feel better. And they're like, well, you can't have Motrin. The doctor didn't give you Motrin. What are you doing with Motrin? And you would either have to push, get written up, or fill sandbags the next day. And that's just the way it was. But still, I, I, I've asked a couple of corpsmen, I've asked a couple of people who you know, I serve with, you know, what's the big deal, and, and it's, it's a mystery. As of right now, I can't tell you why Motrin is the go-to uh, pain reliever of choice for the military. All I can tell you that it still is, and probably will be for a long time. And that is the rant of the week. So, I've been doing this... Um, unit shout out thing where I'm trying to acknowledge units that you know support frontline combat troops you know support the fighter jocks support you know all the you know sexy quote you know close quote you know jobs out there and, and really you know bring to light what what these professionals do every day because no one operates in a vacuum in the military I don't care what kind of branch you're in you know, you were out there on the front line. Somebody made sure that you had the ammunition, the food, the, the clothes on your back to go out there and do your job. This week, I'm going to go a little bit, you know, off course in a different direction because, you know, as a Marine, I, I think this story uh, should get some attention. And I'm talking about um, eight-year-old Wyatt Gillette 
who um, was born with Akari uh, Gutierrez syndrome, uh, a rare genetic disorder. And, you know, I looked it up before I did the podcast, and, and it's pretty. I don't know how to describe it personally. I'm not a medical professional, but I can tell you that as a father with three healthy kids, I can't imagine the hardship that his father, uh, Jeremiah, and mother, Felicia, experienced uh, being parents to this little boy. And I tip my hat to him because, you know, as a parent, I can't imagine how hard that is. But, um, you know, about a week ago, the comment of the Marine Corps uh, authorized that uh, little Wyatt be made an honorary Marine. And in a ceremony in Camp Pendleton, uh, his father, who's a drill instructor at MCRD San Diego, Ura, that's where the real Marines come from, uh, he was made an honorary Marine. And it's just one of those things where, you know, the brass got it right, the senior staff and COs got it right. And it was done in a timely manner to celebrate this child's life and how much uh, he meant to his mother and father and how much the Marine Corps meant to them as a wider family. And I've never met uh, his mother and father, but uh, you know, I, I as Oscar Mike Radio, would like to uh, dedicate this unit shout out to Wyatt Gillette and his uh, mother and father, uh, Jeremiah and Felicia. And, and um, you know, any comfort that I can uh, provide for them, I, I will because he passed away the day after he was made honorary. So, we are three episodes in. I, I am having a lot of fun doing this. I am learning a lot uh, doing this radio show. In two weeks, if everything works out, I will have a uh, first guest on Oscar Mike Radio and uh, working toward that. You'll hear more about it on Facebook for us old old folks and other sources for the younger crowd. And, you know, I appreciate, I am, I am so pleased, you know, and humbled by the response I've gotten uh, with Oscar Mike from people who've listened to it, especially people who haven't served in the military. You know, um, this is one of the reasons why I want to do this is so those people can get an idea of things that are important to us. And again, uh, a big shout out to uh, Sinister One Productions and Keith Hayes with WooBazoo.com uh, for really kind of guiding me along the way in doing this and believing what I do. So I want to end the podcast on that note. Uh, I can't wait for next week to get here. I'm going to talk about some stuff more, you know, closer to uh, the greater Boston area. And, um, you know, have a good weekend, stay safe, and I will see you guys soon. Take care. Oscar Mike Radio, over and out. Oscar Mike Radio, do you copy? Anchors away, my boy.
Oscar Mike Radio is en route. Come in on Mike Radio.